My name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode 16 of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast, the season where we've been talking 5K training and racing. And as we wrap up this season, I welcome my co-host Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa? Going well today, Brian. I've had an enormous sleep in for me. I was just shattered after traveling, work, everything that, you know, goes on in one's life. So I got out of bed at eight o'clock, which is just so unlike me, but it was amazing. Life's getting in the way and you're probably mm-hmm. tired because apparently you're running up a mountain or something on the weekend. Yes. Like- oh, yeah, I did run up a mountain and we'll get into that a little bit later. It was uh, it was quite fun. I wouldn't say it was 100% fun, but <laughs> most of it was pretty fun. But, yeah, I'm actually also on my down week this week and I don't know whether psychologically, like I don't know whether you find this, but, you know, you keep yourself going and going and going and then you allow yourself to, you know, have a bit of a break and all of a sudden you just feel ten times tired and more sluggish than <laughs> than what you would normally think. So I don't know whether it is psychological as well. Uh, could be. Maybe it's psychological. Maybe it's your body confirming the fact that you needed a down week. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I was writing on Sunday evenings. I usually sit and, as you know what I'm like with my lists and my planning, I like to sort of put out a little skeleton of um, what sessions I'm going to do and what days and the times, etc. And it was so nice because I'm only planning on running 50Ks this week mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to get to the gym four times instead of three times. So because I had all this spare time only running 50Ks, I was like, how good is this? Definitely gives you a lot more flexibility when you're lower in the mileage stakes. Oh, it does. Well, this morning, normally I would be up early and I'd be running at 7.30 on a Wednesday morning to try and fit in because I've been doing a double on a Wednesday, splitting out my 18K and I've been really enjoying splitting it up, but I'll do... 10 in the morning and 8 in the evening, but I'm usually at the door by 7.30, whereas this morning, as I said, I was a lazy seal just lounging around in bed and I thought, oh, I can just I can run 10Ks, you know, just later on in the day. How good is that? Perfect. So There's another good reason to have a down week. Yes. <laughs> no, it really is. But, um, no, I've been, I've been pretty good. But do you know what I think is uh, what we really need to quickly talk about is your What's last that? week <laughs> and this – sub 20 you're the sub 20 minute man yeah that's right i left it until pretty late in the day but i thought you know the listeners are probably not going to take me seriously if i can't crack crack this barrier that i set out to achieve (laughs) given we're training for the the 5k over the the last few months we've been doing this season two so i you literally got got there by the skin of your teeth didn't you did it on march the was it the 30th or the 30th 30th. yeah i think saturday was the 30th so hey if you didn't do it would you have gone and done a 5k time trial on the sunday just to (laughs) (laughs) there's no way (laughs) i I think and and definitely for the 5k i definitely needed that element of competition and people around me to to crack it as well Mm -hmm. like it's all very well running a 12 minute 3k track time trial but 5k is very different to 3k it's a different beast but i want to hear about your week like what did you do leading up to it how did you approach the you did the the castle main park run yes that's right um Um, i want to hear about it sure do you want to do you want to hear my post-race reflection before we get into that yeah let's let's hit listen so finally cracked the sub 25k i'm here at uh beautiful castle main botanic gardens we have the park run here and this morning over the three-lap course, I finally managed to get the monkey off my back and cracked the sub-20. I think I ended up with about 19.50. So thanks very much to, I'm pretty sure he's a local runner, Craig, who uh, passed me with about oh, maybe maybe a mile to go and I uh, just hung on to him and then we had a bit of a bit of a kick down towards the end, which he won, but dragged us both to, um, to pretty good times. So... Uh, very happy with that. I can I can highly recommend the Castle Main Park Run. Pretty flat course, nice and sheltered, and yeah, you couldn't fault it for absolutely beautiful surroundings. There you go. You sound so, pretty happy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and how good is Castle Main Park Run? Man, it's uh, it's got it all. The course is pretty flat. It's in beautiful botanic gardens. It's fairly sheltered from the wind. 
Yeah, there's a lot to like about doing, you know, chasing a parkrun PB at um, Castlemaine. So, mm. you know, they, 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 they did have a few out-of-towners there, so maybe word is getting out that it's a fast track and that's the place to go if you, if you want to uh, chase your sub-25K. Yeah, I haven't been there for, to the town for a very long time. I used to go there quite a bit because where I grew up wasn't that far from um, mm. Castlemaine, but beautiful little town as well. So if any tourists and people from overseas want to get to an idyllic little place to run fast, I think that's the the location to go. Exactly. And it's directly over the road from this whole complex, which includes antiques and cafes and the thing that I like the most, the the Shed Shaker Brewery, which is they are the makers of some very, very tasty craft brew indeed. So um, <laughs> not sure that's ideal at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Maybe it probably, is. <laughs> probably not in the morning, but I was thinking if if I decided to spend the day there, which I didn't because I had to go and be somewhere else, but you could you could lounge around in the cafes after after doing your park run and could smell the bacon and eggs wafting over from yeah. the cafe and that smelled pretty damn good. So you could do that for a while, browse some antiques and that would bring you up to lunchtime, which is probably a respectable time to go and have a beer. <laughs> well, then again, given you broke this milestone that it's been a while to break, I think you'd be forgiven for cracking open a, a nice craft brewed beer at 9am. I might have had one uh, later in the afternoon just to celebrate. <laughs> but take us through it. How did you get to your sub-20 or, or take us through the week and yes. what led up to it and how you were feeling because um, I know that you messaged me the night before and you still weren't you weren't that excited about doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the prospect of getting up in the dark because daylight savings hasn't ticked over as yet in the southern hemisphere so getting in the car leaving from the dalesford high performance center at uh what time did i leave just after seven o'clock it was still pitch black for the first 20 minutes of the drive so and and fairly cold the forecast the weather forecast was fairly awful they were forecasting storms and yeah high winds and all kinds of things it didn't actually turn out to be that bad but i think that was why i was feeling reluctant yeah and the fact that you had to run 5k hard that never helps. Indeed, yes, that never helps. Um, you've got to be psychologically prepared for that. And, and yeah, getting back to your question about what did I do for the week, that was actually the week leading up to that and that week inclusive. I actually ran 60Ks last week. Oh, wow. Which is Where a pretty big jump from? up. Yeah, well, I decided I needed to get my act together leading into the Canberra half marathon. So I thought I've got a limited opportunity, like basically two weeks to get a few more Ks in my legs for the half because I've sort of, yeah, the previous three weeks I'd sort of averaged low 40 kilometres. So I kind of stepped it up and basically ran six days through that week. And most of that was easy running except for Wednesday, which I think I said the week before that I was going to go and do this pre-season lap of the race, which the Eureka and Windery Athletic Clubs combined to put on. Lap so of the lake, you mean? Yeah, the lap of the lake. Yeah. Um, and so I did go and do that on the Wednesday night and the, the idea of that one was to basically do a unbroken, fairly solid threshold, aerobic threshold run. And that's the way, that's the way it turned out actually on the Wednesday night. It was, a, it was actually a beautiful night. Mm. And I was kind of milling around at the start, having a chat to Campbell, who's been on the podcast, and Paul Silicons, who is a guy that I've run with at Parkrun a few times. And, and afterwards, he kind of sidled up to me and said, oh, how fast are you running? And I said, oh, look, I don't know exactly. I'm going to try and do it to heart rate, but it'll probably be about 4.30s or maybe a little bit under. And he's like, right, I'm running with you. And I thought, okay, that's good and potentially bad because Paul's He's quite a bit fitter than me at the moment and mm. probably a better runner overall. He's he's actually an ultra runner, but last year he broke 18 minutes for the Ballarat Park Run, which is a super quick time for a guy in his early 40s. I think he's about a similar age to me. So he's fairly speedy, and but he wasn't there to, to race. So he basically ran with me and we were having kind of a bit of a chat through the first couple of Ks, which for me was, <laughs> for me, wasn't it was conversational pace for him. For me, it wasn't quite conversational pace. So there was a fair bit of gasping to, yeah, maintain the conversation and try and Was it actually a conversation running. or was it a, he was talking and you were giving <laughs> the yes, no, a half response? Yeah, I think I, I think I was trying a bit hard to to have more than monosyllabic one-word answers. So I, I probably raised my heart rate a little bit by talking too much. Um, I probably should have just nodded my head and said, uh-huh. 
Do you know what? I find actually I find that quite hard work when I don't particularly like personalised paces and when I'm going into a session where I really want to focus on how I'm feeling, I actually find having someone there quite distracting because, you know, as you say, you're trying to have a conversation and when it's just that pace that's a little bit too hard for you I actually find that I get more stressed and annoyed than (laughs) just relaxing and so the result is I I usually end up being able to get the time but I've totally blown the feeling I'm just annoyed more than anything yeah well I wasn't I was definitely not annoyed I was I was quite enjoying it actually it was good to have someone to to run with and look we did really well through the first four k's they were basically 429, 429, 426, 427. So they are incredibly even splits. And heart rate wise, you know, I was probably, I was trying to not go too far into the 160s, like low 160s would have been okay for about threshold ish. And so average for the first K was 142. The second was 157. The third was 160. The fourth was 165, which was starting to get up there. <laughs> and I don't know what happened in the fifth kilometer, but we actually sped up for some reason. So they ended up being a 413. Mm. And average heart rate consequently was 169. So I remember looking down at that when the fifth K went off and, and tried to ease off a little bit. And I haven't actually got my last K split because as people in the local Ballarat area will know Lake Windery around is not quite six kilometres. <laughs> yeah, how far so, is it in the end? We were trying to work this out uh, yeah. during the week. Well, my GPS, which I'm not making any claims to its actual accuracy, thinks it's 5.99, but I don't think that's right because mine's usually about maybe a fraction under 20 metres short per kilometre. So I would be guessing it, it's, uh, it's probably about 59 Mm. kilometers or maybe a touch more than that so it could be about 100 meters short but yeah there might be some other locals who have a more accurate gps or have measured it with a trundle wheel or something (laughs) that could give us the exact measurement but yeah it's definitely not quite six kilometers but i'm pretty sure all of the the numbers and stuff that get crunched afterwards are based on a six kilometer race Mm. i I think that's what and, and rod griffin who um is your ex-coach and one of the, the driving forces um, in Athletics Victoria more generally, but also for the Eureka Club, he put out the results and my average kilometre rate was 4.22 kilometre pace for 26.14 around the lake, which okay. is probably a little bit faster than what I actually wanted. But it was good to have that kind of really solid hit out and to run for 26 minutes at around, and in my case, towards the end, above my threshold slightly, was actually probably a good, mentally a pretty good hit out for me. And although the heart rate got a bit high, I didn't feel like I was getting out of control. And whilst I was breathing deeply, that wasn't out of control. Mechanics were good and it didn't feel too bad. So I was actually pretty happy with how I, how I felt through that. I probably gave myself a little bit of a challenge to then kind of recover for the park run sub 20 attempt on the Saturday but I did have a full two days so what I did was yeah get myself into the gym the next day for recovery purposes Mm. and just did a really easy run on the Thursday and I actually took Friday off in the lead up to the the Castle Main attempt. Hey here's a question um, for you Um, yes now you've pretty much done most of your training over the last 12 months solo and now Mm -hmm. you're back amongst people what are your thoughts? It's good particularly if you're if you're trying to push yourself along a little bit, which I am now, mm. it's definitely much easier to do that when you've got people around you. So yeah, it was good to good to have Paul to run with. I mean, I wouldn't have. Run, I don't think I would have run quite that fast. Maybe I would have maintained my four thirties. Who knows? Maybe having mm. someone there made me run a little bit harder. But probably in the in the long run, that's actually going to be good for me. And mentally, it was good just to hang for for that 26 minutes at that kind of what we call the comfortably hard pace of, yeah. of threshold. So, yeah. so yeah, this, no, the social stuff is good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of that coming up through the season, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. But before I move on from the lake, a couple of things I wanted to mention. So Campbell Ackland, who we talked about his sub-three marathon, and he came on the podcast. 
he did his lap of the lake in 2116, which is... Oh, wow, that is moving. Yeah, so he, he was moving. So his average kilometre rate was 333 kilometre pace. He told me afterwards he ran the first K in 320 and then backed off a bit. So <laughs> he's probably still got a little bit more in the tank there as well. So, yeah. What's your PB pretty, around the lake? I think it's about 22... 10 or 22.12, it's low 22-something. It's um, a great run. But, again, that was that's a while ago now, Lisa. That's <laughs> probably about eight or nine years ago. So, yeah, I'm not sure I'll be approaching that anytime soon, although the lap of the lake is on later this year. So maybe maybe that'll be a time for um, – and I think you were threatening to come down and do that, so maybe, maybe that'd be time yeah. for us to have a, have a grudge match and see if I can break that PB. Well, and also um, I think that's actually another PB that you hold over me. I've only run – Not the, the only other one. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I've only done it a couple of times and I I was looking, trawling back through some old results recently when we started to talk about this run and I think I'm in the high 22s. I can't remember the exact time, but um, it's certainly not low 22s, so that's a very good run from you. Yeah, it was a good run, but I do remember, I remember the day that I did that, I still didn't manage to beat a guy who was probably about... 15 years older than me, maybe more, maybe 20 years older than me. So I got part. Do you remember Rob Saw from Eureka? <laughs> I do. So pre- Very good Pretty runner. sure he kicked over the top of me in the, in the last few hundred metres. <laughs> so uh, I was going pretty well that day, but he was still going better as a more mature gentleman. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your motivation to go out and break your 22-12. Yes, indeed. I'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see as we get closer to that whether that's feasible, but it might be something that maybe next year might be more realistic with a bit more um, harder running under my belt. And oh yeah, the other thing I was going to mention was the running company Ballarat had their running group out to do this as well. Okay. So I was uh, lucky enough to have my photo taken by none other than Julian Spence and, or it might've been Bree, but I think it was um, Julian that had the, uh, the camera out. So yeah, we had some photos posted of all of the runners and I shared one of those over onto our Facebook page. Um, so thanks for Julian for uh, for being the photographer in residence for the lap of the lake. That was really good. Yeah, and look, I looked at their photos and you write about the conditions. It looked absolutely perfect because, you know, that lake can be notorious for winds and being really quite chilly, but it just looked idyllic. It was, yeah. It was nice. The water was glassy, which doesn't happen very often at Lake Wendery. So it was was very, very nice conditions indeed. Anyway, so after after that, that was a pretty good mental hit out and physical hit out before the the park run at Castlemaine. As mentioned, I trekked off into the dark <laughs> um, over to Castlemaine, dodged a few kangaroos on the way over, and I was actually running a little bit late, so um, I. I only had time for a typical not correct Brian style warm up so I had a, f- a 5 minute jog before the before the start and you know I don't know I think I've I've started to get used to this short warm up um, routine, Lisa. So maybe it's something I should stick with. Um, I think there's something the in that for you. You and I could, are like polar opposites with that. I need my 5k warm up and stretches and, you know, faffing around, peacocking as my husband calls it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I'm trying to do the whole uh, throw the throw the bucket of water on the sleeping cat routine where you just yes. get up and run. <laughs> oh, very good. So, yeah, I lined up on the start and I thought given the last time at Melbourne Uni when I ran the 5K, I got out too slowly over the first kilometre. I thought, I can't let that happen today. So I I made sure I positioned myself well on the start line and got out to to a good start. And I, I think I was actually in the lead for about the first, <laughs> for the first 50 metres or so. And then I realised I actually didn't know where the course was going oh, um, no. because, because I haven't been there before. So fortunately... A couple of other speedier runners went past me and so I knew where to take the first turn. So I actually felt, um, and it's probably a consequence of the poor warm-up, I kind of felt a little bit uncoordinated through the first first lap, which is a lapse of about a mile to get the to get the 5K, so three laps of roughly a mile. And, yeah, through the first – for the first one, I, yeah, was feeling a little bit unco and uncomfortable, but I had on my watch face – just my average pace. I thought that would be a better kind of indicator of how things were going rather than putting the actual pace because that jumps around so much. Mm. So the average pace proved to be a, a good 
a good thing to have on the watch because basically my goal was just to keep that under four minute kilometer pace for the for as long as possible and then kick home hard as I can. So that mostly most was staying under for the first lap was staying under four. There was a couple of times, and I think it's because there's such heavy tree cover there that the GPS was just jumping around. Um, and I looked at my pace afterwards, and there was a couple of bits where it was trying to say that I was running at slower than five minute kilometer pace, which I can guarantee that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it did jump around a little bit, but um, it sort of managed to equalise itself, and I could see that even getting into the sec- second lap that I was still maintaining that good pace. So I, I knew I was in with a in with a hunt of going the sub 20 and into the second lap, which three laps is good, I think, because it kind of it made me not think about the fourth kilometre <laughs> that we've been struggling with um, oh, in the 5K. The devil. Exactly. So it wasn't immediately apparent where the fourth kilometre was. So I just was thinking about maintaining my pace rather than thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit the fourth kilometre and start slowing down. But probably that happened anyway, (laughs) which was unfortunate. But I could hear these footsteps coming up behind me and I was in third place for a fair bit of that run and I could see a young guy up ahead and I thought, oh, maybe there's some chance I can catch him in the latter stages, which proved to be a fantasy because I think he ran 19.20. But, yeah, I heard these footsteps coming up behind me and that was uh, Craig Green, who I mentioned in the the recap. So I think he's a local runner. And he went past me probably about a mile to go and I was just in that phase where I was just feeling ordinary. So it probably was the fourth fourth kilometre and I just told myself, this is a gift. He's going past me. He's going better than me. Just hang on. Mm. So I just sort of kept him in my sights and he probably put about 10 metres on me, but I was just thinking the old don't let the elastic band break and <laughs> just, just keep hanging tough. So I just kept looking at his back and working as hard as I could. And when I got more of a sniff of getting into the finishing straight as it was, which is probably about an 800-metre stretch before you get up to the, the finish line. I managed to sort of come up alongside him of him and I was working pretty hard, but I thought, right, okay, it's now the time to increase the intensity. So I actually went past him um, with not that long to go, but he, he being probably a better runner than me because he told me afterwards he was coming back from injury, kicked past me at the end and actually beat me by a couple of seconds. But the fact that we were racing each other through that last bit meant that we, we both pretty comfortably went under the 20-minute barrier. So that little bit of competition can really help, like get yeah. you down to, to your goal time. So well, it's that, interesting that was you really say helpful. That. Because I've got the official results in front of me now and that was – it's saying here that it was a new PB for your nemesis Craig. So he oh, really? Okay. 1949. Maybe, um, maybe he wasn't a local then. Yeah, uh, from Bendigo mm. Athletics Club. Ah, there you go. Local-ish. Local-ish, yeah. He's trekked down from, from Bendigo. Mm. So yeah. it may not be his actual five-kilometre PB, but it was a Castle Main Park run. It was a five-kilometre PB. And uh, you can thank yourself maybe for that, Brian, for that help. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, he did, I thanked him afterwards and then he thanked me as well because um, it was good for us both to have someone to, to race over that last sort of kilometre or so rather than just think about how much you're hurting. Mm. So, yeah, that was, that was my sub-20 and, yeah, it was pretty good. I don't think there was too much left in the tank but yeah i think over the course of the next few months there'll probably be the scope for a little bit more improvement in that time um, over 5k and hopefully over some other distances as well well your official time was 1951 Correct. Yes, I, I I think I'd given myself nineteen fifty on my watch, but uh, the official time is the official time, so I'm respecting the nineteen fifty one. Yes, absolutely. Well, look, it was an excellent run, and when you text through to say that was what you had run, I, I I'll be honest, I was a bit surprised because <clears throat> after seeing you run at the Melbourne Uni five k, it didn't look great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> and you know, I don't know, you just, even, you know, your kind of body language and everything are sort of like, oh, well, you know, that's as good as it gets and we'll just, yep. you know, move on. But, like, this was such a good example of how, you know, you can have a less than ideal run and you can literally just park it, move on and turn it around in, a, in you know, a matter of two weeks or less than two weeks actually mm. and uh, have a totally different experience. So I think a really good lesson out there for everybody. Indeed. And look, you know, we talked last week a little bit about my fitness arriving as well. So I feel like 
just the that that kind of sub-maximal speed increase that I've been having over the last couple of weeks and like having the Melbourne Uni run itself would have been really good training for the, the park run where I've actually broken the sub-20. So having those few harder efforts finally get absorbed by my body probably just meant that I was... I was finally ready to go and maybe at Melbourne Uni I wasn't quite ready to um, to do it. But a week and a half later, fitness has arrived and bam, there you go. Mm, yeah, well, well done. You made it in the nick of time and uh, you can hang up your 5K boots for the year. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost. <laughs> now, what about you? Because you have become a uh, a New South Wales state medalist in, in mountain running. Like, I what have. the hell? <laughs> I have. Do you know what? We were having a giggle during the week that this is my first state medal for, I think my last one was 2006 where oh, I... My, uh, my last one. I, <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> no, but it was... Oh, actually, um, no, I do. Anyway, you go you on, do. go on. Oh, yeah, I won a, I think I won the 1500-metre state title, a Victorian state under-23 title, and it was this was in 2006, and it was sort yeah. of the beginning of the end for me where I was on this. <laughs> you um, peaked early. Well, I was on this amazing trajectory and had started to put together some results, and I, I actually beat, uh, I think she was a, I think she went on to run at the Olympics. She certainly went to the World Champs and Commonwealth Games, one of the girls that I beat, yeah. and her trajectory actually went up and mine went down so mm. <laughs> um and then life sort of you know took a few different twists and turns after that so indeed um you know i won't say that uh, maybe this is as competitive as, as some of the other state titles but uh look i'm i'm gonna take it in my <laughs> oh, you just take take them however they come Lisa. Uh, exactly so uh no look i had a bit of an interesting week actually i um did 74 k's in the end so i i was aiming for 80 but the run on sunday the mountain run i just didn't get the amount of k's that i had been doing on the normal sunday runs but given the terrain I just I just didn't want to push it like I didn't want to go for basically junk miles when I just run up literally a mountain so I took a more conservative approach there but my week was pretty good all up I got to the gym three times I did um, again some fartleks on the Tuesday on the Wednesday I did 17 k's in one just simply because I had too many things on in the Wednesday to to split the run and you know how you had said that your fitness had arrived? Well, this run for me was a great one on the Wednesday. I ended up running an average of 452-kilometre pace for the 17Ks. Wow, and that's moving. my heart rate was just over. It was, it was 152. And mm-hmm. given my um, – and it felt effortless. So with my 200 max heart rate that I've sort of <laughs> moved my um, – <laughs> Move my max heart rate too. That's still well and truly within an aerobic zone, and I just I felt amazing. Like it didn't feel difficult at all. So I was a bit tentative wanting to run the whole seventeen k's in one go on the Wednesday, knowing that I had quite a tough mountain run on the weekend. But it really didn't affect me. So was really happy with that. And then actually backed that up on the Thursday. I did seven by 600 metres on the track and the aim for that was to run sort of between 2.15 and 2.10 pace for the, sorry, that's for the 600s, which equates to a sort of 3.35 to 3.45 pace, which is Mm -hmm. what I've been running for my 3K and 5Ks. And again, it just felt effortless off 60 seconds. So um, my heart rate was 135 average. Wow. And it just was, yeah, just one of those sessions where, you know, when you get to a point where you think, I'm fit, like I'm Mm -hmm. actually finally really fit. So I think you've been at that point for a few weeks now, (laughs) truth be told. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's actually feeling easier. And I'll be honest, I probably didn't believe it, you know, over the past few weeks. And then I've started to, you know, when in your training, you obviously have your peaks and troughs, but, you know, there are weeks where I would feel great and I'd be like, wow, you know, fitness is arriving. And then the next week would be a bit of a struggle. And it was sort of a bit up and down, but now I'm feeling like every time I step out, 
it's just effortless and it's a it's a really nice place to be in and I know that I'm not going to be able to hold on to that forever but I'm going to try and harness that he- heading into this um this marathon and, and these longer races that we're doing we then trekked up to Orange on the Friday so it's about four hours west I believe of Sydney I'm I'm pretty terrible when it comes to directions so orienteering will never be a <laughs> a career choice of mine or even a hobby but and then reached Orange. And uh, yeah, it was freezing. That's all I can say. Like the temperatures just absolutely plummeted. So I had every warm piece of clothing that I owned (laughs) within reach. (laughs) And we just took it pretty easy. Like Orange itself as a town is a beautiful little country town. And it reminds me very much of Ballarat. I'm not sure of the population. I think it might be on par, but it's just, you know, beautiful wide streets that are, you know, tree-lined, you know, meticulously kept period homes, some cute little cafes. It does have a few more wineries than what I believe Ballarat does. But, yeah, really quaint little town. So got out for an easy 12Ks on the Saturday because the mountain run was on the Sunday. But another kind of reflection moment, we did this course because we actually went up there last year at the same time to run. We were going to do the mountain run, but it was cancelled because of bushfires. So complete polar opposite in weather and the two times that I've been there now. And we ended up doing a, a 5K tempo run and we actually did the same course whilst I was doing this 12K on Saturday. And my memory from last year of doing this tempo was that I literally had climbed a mountain during it. So we sort of, we ran 3.5 Ks along the sort of undulating path. And then we had to then turn and the last K and a half to the finish point was uphill. Last year, because I wasn't fit last year. So that last K and a half, I honestly, my memory was I was basically rock climbing up this mountain and it completely destroyed me. And then I ran over it on Saturday and I was like, what hill? (laughs) Just a completely different perspective because I was all of a sudden fit. Yeah, that was another sort of learning for me going, well, you know, sometimes when you're not fit, things are a lot harder than what they actually probably are. Yeah, that's right. Well, it sounds like you're getting into the super fit status. Um, Yeah. Try not to get too fast. We don't want you to alienate our audience there, Lisa. No, 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 no. I definitely, uh, I'm not (laughs) sure that that's on the close horizon, maybe in the future horizon. (laughs) But the purpose of us going to Orange was for this mountain championship. So it's called the Great Volcanic Mountain Run and it's at Mount Canobolis in Orange and it's an 11K run and you run up three peaks. And it also doubled as the New South Wales Mountain Running Championships. But my sole purpose for this was actually a Sunday long run. So I wasn't remotely racing uh, or really had any interest to because we've got Canberra in two weeks' time, which is my sort of, you know, focus race. And anyway, it was two degrees for the run and it was, I've read a report that on top of the mountain because of the winds, which were pretty terrible, it was um, a wind chill of negative 1.5. So I wasn't exaggerating. We're we're used to that in Ballarat. That's just a regular morning for us. (laughs) I know, I know. And for someone that used to live in Ballarat, I was, so I was on the start line and I did post a photo of me at the finish line and I... I actually looked quite ridiculous in what I had on, but I was so cold, nothing was coming off. And I'd actually forgotten my running gloves and my running beanie. All I had was like my streetwear beanie that I would just wear around down to the cafe. And I just thought, I'm running with this. And that's, I just thought, well, if it's, you know, if I get too hot, I'll just take it off and hold it. But it stayed on the whole time. And my little hands, I had them wrapped around like three times in my jumper. <laughs> And they only sort of came, They po- little fingers got poked out just a couple of times towards the end. But I don't think I had a drop of sweat on me either. I was pretty chilly. But Did you did you post that photo on Instagram? Because when you sent it to me, I was like, you just look like a tourist out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I did post that photo on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I certainly didn't look race kit or even like I was wearing proper running things because I was just so cold. But anyway, so the run itself, they had quite a good turnout. I think there was just uh, just over 350 runners that did the 11K. There was also a family 5K run that had about 200 competitors. But the run itself, so the first five sort of 6Ks, 
you go through, you, you are climbing the mountain, you're going through rolling hills and on basically these beautiful dirt um, with, with some rocks in them, trails or tracks that cars can go on. And I was running along thinking, how good is this? Like, this is amazing. It's, you know, it's feeling really comfortable and I'm quite a strong uphill runner. So I found myself just sort of passing people because the start is sort of a little bit flat downhill and then you start just the climb the whole way so lots of people who are racing went out quite quickly and so I found myself continuously passing both men and women up up all these climbs and I was just out amongst the wilderness fresh air it was absolutely stunning and then we got to um, there was a marshal down the bottom and then they sort of took us off the nice track and they pointed like to run right and I looked up and they literally sent us on like a goat track <laughs> to this first peak. And I would say that my fear factor is high. <laughs> and I also am quite risk adverse when trekking up the side of a cliff. So I actually walked that section. And do you know what? The people who were racing and just sort of, you know, the, the top men and women, I'm just totally blown away with how fast they run down these like little goat trails because I'm not sure if I'm giving it justice in describing it, but it's probably about 10 centimetres in width, but there's just, you know, rocks and sticks and like it's it's not a nice place for for footing. So I don't know how they do it. It's There's definitely a, a technical skill in that downhill mountain running and it's a skill I don't actually have. So. <laughs> I don't think you're alone there. There's not too many people who and not part of, I suppose, the trail running or mountain running scene who feel super comfortable on those really steep, uneven descents. Yeah, well, my little Bambi legs certainly do not uh, like them. But the this goat trail, you actually, like, you went up and down the same path. So it was, you know, it, it could be a little bit dangerous and that's why they actually sent the runners off in waves because you just can't have too many people on those trails. And I literally got out of the way of any of the people that were coming down and especially the people that were racing because, you know, they don't want little old me (laughs) crawling on all fours, getting in their way as they're hurtling down this mountain. So anyway, I walked up the top. You have to get a little um, mark on your um, hand to make sure you haven't cheated and you've actually done the peak. So I did that. And then on the way down, I was passed by Oh, like a dozen people <laughs> because I've walked down. I was terrible. But again, we would then continue up running up some more hills and I would go past people again. And then we had another little goat trail that I walked up. And then we finally got to sort of the last 800 meters was just straight uphill, some stairs. I walked up there. I'm a terrible stair runner, actually. I don't know if you're any good at it, but I'm awful at stairs. Can't remember and- the last time I ran upstairs apart from chasing a train. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not a good stair runner. And then I got to the last 50 metres and thought, oh, come on, I can run this last 50 metres. There was a couple of stairs up to the top and I managed to make it to the top, the 11 kilometres in one hour, four minutes and 45 seconds for third place overall. So I was a bit blown away when finished and they said, oh, you've you've finished third. So if they sent you all off in waves, you wouldn't really know because I would have had to work out the times afterwards. Would that be right? Oh, well, that was a little bit self-seated. So... Uh, 50 minutes and under for 10Ks was in the first wave and then they seeded appropriately after Uh, that. Ah, okay. All right. Um, So you were with the top seeds. Yeah. Well, and looking back through the results, because it was done on, you know, you had your official proper chip timing and everything. So they'd be able to see if people had run quicker who started in the last wave. But yeah, no, it was definitely self-seeded. So I was was surprised actually that I finished third and it was – it was really nice, but I'm not going to be becoming a mountain runner anytime soon. <laughs> not so much because of the hills. I actually loved running the hills, but I just, I don't think I'm cut out for those crazy little downhill descents, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. They're definitely a bit too challenging for me because I'm a bit of an uncoordinated person, as we've spoken about, so I'll probably <laughs> end up face planting. Yeah, well, I have the coordination, but I'm actually quite fearful, as I said. So, you know, watching these top runners run down or, you know, go down this steep descent over all these rocks, they 
their style as well completely changes. You know, it's not your typical you know, running with your arms in a, in a nice sort of flowing motion. They have their arms out to the side and they're sort of like they're dancing down the mountain, mm. to be honest. Like they're so light on their feet, it's like they barely spend any time in contact with the ground before they're you know, moving to the next step and placement. But, yeah, look, it's, it's a skill that I don't possess and one that I'm not in a hurry to get. <laughs> But, you know, overall, it was actually a really fun event, well run. And, you know, and I'm going to say it again, thank you to the volunteers. And I did actually thank them when I was out on the course because, you know, events like that only happen because of volunteers and it was so cold out there. I was cold running, so I hate to imagine how chilly some of those volunteers were who were standing on top of those peaks and who were there the whole time, not just, you know, the hour or so that I was out there for. So Well said. Never hurts to thank the volunteers because mm. it's not all about us selfish runners. No, no, it's really not. So yeah, great, great community event. Highly recommended if anyone's traveling and wants, you know, just a different experience and getting some amazing sights uh, along the way. So, yeah, so third place, I actually am not sure whether or not I actually got second in the in the state championships because the girl that came second over the line was from Canberra. So I may be upgraded. <laughs> All right. So, so when, when does the medal arrive? I want, I want some photos with some bling. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. They did have medal presentations, but I actually we travelled there with some other families and we all have children who were, I think the eldest was eight and uh, down to my two-year-old. So we pretty much piled everyone into the car and got off that mountain so we could warm them up. Um, so unfortunately I didn't hang around for it. But I'll chase that one up and we can add it to our running technique tips medal collection. <laughs> Trophy wall of one. <laughs> Uh, very good. So that was my week, 74Ks in total. But do you know what I am going to say is that I have pulled up better doing that mountain run than what I have sometimes, you know, running a, a 20 or 24K Sunday long run. And I honestly believe it's like, I know that I walked some of it, but having to run those hills and even the downhills, you're constantly having to activate different muscles than when you're just out going for a, you know, a 20K run and you're just on flat surfaces sort of going around the same loop. And the same comments have been sort of echoed from some of my training partners who did the run as well. They're all sort of saying, well, I'm actually not that sore and feel pretty good. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Mm. And that was one of the reasons why I'm going to be doing a lot more long runs out on the forest trails this time around for my various longer race and marathon campaigns because, for yeah, for exactly that reason, you're going to be changes in surface, uh, lots of up and lots of down. It really gives your body something different to deal with rather than just the constant pounding of going and running for two hours on, the, on a flat surface. Mm, yeah, exactly. So... Anyway, really, really good week, um, very successful, but now am very much looking forward to my next couple of challenges. Indeed. Well, I think we should just spend a couple of minutes just capping and reflecting on our 5K training and racing season because this is going to be the last episode of that. Probably fair to say that you have achieved quite a high level of 3 and 5k running I think through this period and although not everything has gone to plan for you especially in relation to your um, your as yet still un undiagnosed heart condition <laughs> um, any reflections that you've sort of taken away from this period that you want to share with me and the listeners well I don't think I did enough specialized training for the 5K, like I had um, said that I had set out wanting to break my 5K PB and, and, and said that I even wanted to break your 5K PB. <laughs> I wanted to, my aim was sort of 17.30. A couple of factors impeded on that goal. Obviously, my the whole heart, as you said, are still undiagnosed what's going on there. So that was a massive factor. Another factor is I really still just had post-marathon fatigue and I just couldn't I couldn't get my head and my motivation switched around enough to really dive into a lot of those true 5K sessions. And so whilst I got some – the 5K result in the end was amazing for, for equaling my PB, um, it wasn't quite specific enough, the training. But I would say probably one of the reflections is to run a really good 5K, having that – 
space like we both did after doing all that marathon training. I think if I was to now step in to say, right, I want to do the 5K training and and spend maybe four to six weeks of really um, tweaking, I think there'd be some some good results from it, but I, I don't think I got specific enough. What about the success you had in it? Because of your heart, you actually had to train at a lower level of intensity. Yeah. For me, that was listening to or seeing you progress with that training approach for me seemed to be a big takeaway that, that, you, that you have taken out of that period because you met, ran amazingly well following that more conservative training approach and yeah I agree that if you were able to do some more specific harder training you may have run faster like but you still ran really fast off that less intense training yeah it seemed to have worked for me I I, it wasn't that great for the 3k Um, I mean I was a long way off what I have run previously but we're saying that my pace in the 3k was 335 and I was in training running sort of 355s to four minutes so you know I guess the positive there is not killing myself in training like I had done previously when I was training specifically for the three and the 5K. I think the biggest message there is you can still get some excellent results by maybe leaving a little bit in the tank rather than leaving it all out on the training track. Mm-hmm. And that has certainly been a bit of an eye-opener for me, uh, especially with that 5K. Like I was totally blown away running you know, my 1833 uh, and really having done next to no work or no work at all in around that 340 type of pace in training. So there's definitely something in that and something I'm going to take away when we tackle this again next time. That sounds mm. good. What about you? So what's your reflection been on the 3 and the 5K? Uh, well, uh, it's a little bit similar to yours. I mean, I, I nearly, never really got going or got into a specific phase of training with enough intensity in it to probably get myself to a slightly higher level and there obviously were reasons for that but for example when I was running really well over 5k years and years ago I kind of went into that period of where I ran quickly with having not only kind of like a six-week base period but I also had a like a hard cross-country season behind me as well Um, and although I got injured at the end of that season I kind of probably was a bit more race fit and race hardened from that that previous six months and I had six weeks of doing a threshold training session each week and a, a, a mile pace rep session each week for six weeks leading into those races and this time around I had a little bit of threshold work but definitely not enough and I think I only had one or two rep sessions and they were quite short, a bit too gentle to probably have much of an impact. And yeah, as obviously I've been playing around a little bit with my technique, but I did sort of feel like having some more rep pace work, sort of, you know, 300s, 400s would have been good for me, probably from a mechanics perspective and feeling comfortable moving at a faster pace but knowing that yeah in training you've actually been moving quicker than that so your 5k race pace feels a bit more in control and probably is a bit more efficient as a result and there's there's also that little bit of harder edge fitness that you get from going a bit more deeply and anaerobic like when you finish doing a three or four hundred heel or a series of 400 reps you're really gasping and then you kind of recover and go again so that that does inject a fair bit of specific fitness that's applicable to the 5k as well so i think for me main reflections are probably never really got going (laughs) (laughs) but despite that i did i think i think i was quite successful in doing the the racing myself fit approach so that was a positive for me where i'd sort of put myself out there and did some races when i knew i wasn't really that well prepared but i was Mm. just prepared to sort of see how i could go on the training that i'd done and hopefully accumulate a bit of fitness from from doing those harder efforts, which is probably the way that it turned out in the end. So definitely some room for improvement in terms of the time that I've managed to achieve to this point. I think there's there's going to be more there probably even over the course of the, the cross-country season, which we're going to talk about probably in a minute. But yeah, they're probably my main reflections. So like you, looking forward to seeing what I could do with a bit more specific work and a bit more um, race hardening under my belt in the future. Do you know, I really like that point that you mentioned about just getting out there and racing yourself fit, even though you weren't in great shape. And I did that at the start with a couple of those 3Ks 
that I did where I was dead last for the first, you know, a couple of hundred metres in one of them and really just learn a pacing strategy. But what I really took out of that, and more so for the 5K than the 3K, I have or actually I don't feel like I've got it anymore. I feel like I've overcome my mental demons with the 5K. Like I I had a really big psychological barrier to this 5K, but going into it and saying, right, well, you know, you're not going to run a PB, um, well, you may not, but trying different things, trying different pacing strategies and actually trying to just enjoy the event instead of always trying to get some type of performance out of it. That really was a positive takeaway for me in this too. And I know that I finished on a high running an an equal PB, which really surprised me, but that has left me with a really good positive experience. And I'm actually, once I work out what's going on with these heart rate, I'm actually really excited to tackle another one at the end of this year, which is a very unusual thing for me to say. Sounds like you've engaged with the process and you've become a mindful 5K runner, Lisa. That's very, yeah. it's very deep. I like it. <laughs> well, that was my learning. <laughs> nice one. I like it a lot. So turning the page on this season now and we're going to keep following this strategy of doing a season based on the kind of training and racing that both you and I are Undertaking the the season three is going to be all about cross country and road racing because that's what we're going to be doing over the next few months. And I know that you are committed to run the Gold Coast Marathon in in uh, July. July. Yeah, July. But we'll, we'll probably focus more specifically on cross country and road racing, and the marathon will probably end up being a consequence or or an outcome of that cross-country and road racing training rather than the specific marathon um, training and racing series that we did in our our first season of podcasts. So Mm. I'm looking forward to that, Lisa. So I haven't actually registered yet, but I'm about to register with the Eureka Athletics Club and be a registered Athletics Victoria runner again for the first time in probably eight years. Well, look, I, you know, hats off to Athletics Victoria. They by far have the best, I think they call it XCR now season, but they have the best winter season, I think, in Australia, which, you know, the the depth of competition that they get there and the type of competition and the variety. Having lived in New South Wales for the last seven, eight years, it doesn't even come close to what they've got. Yes, we are lucky. So there'll be lots of different types of events, both at a local level. I'll be doing some local cross-country and road running with the Eureka Athletics Club in Ballarat. And then through the Athletics Victoria season, the cross-country and road racing season, there'll be all kinds of events and distances that we'll be able to, well, I'll be able to experience and you'll probably come down and maybe do one or two of those and you'll have your own season going on up there in New South Wales. Yeah, so we'll, we we'll do. Have, we'll have varying distances and different types of cross-country races that we'll be able to kind of focus on and talk about and of course the specific training that we're going to be doing in chasing those different kinds of races yeah and you know I'm I'm probably just going to mention that for anyone especially in Europe and I know the UK Australia cross-country is probably a little bit different to the cross-country that they experience and trust me I'm told every cross-country season because we have a lot of UK and Irish runners in our club and they laugh at me when I tell them, oh, gosh, you know, it's cold today and it's a sunny 15 degrees and they're <laughs> running over a perfectly manicured cross-country course. <laughs> and they pull out pictures of, you know, snow and sleet in negative conditions running in ankle or, or calf deep mud and that's, they, you know, they tell me this, that is cross-country. Like this is just a nice running around a grass oval. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It, it can get a bit bit brutal over there in the European in the UK and probably uh, I don't know if you saw any of it but I watched a couple of the races in the World Cross Country yeah, Championship over the weekend and that was a you know there were certainly elements of that course that were quite manicured but in terms of a hard cross country course with lots of climbing and some sand and some mud and that kind of stuff that was 
probably a, a, a good microcosm of what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm going to put it out there and I don't actually like cross-country running. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to love it, Lisa. Uh, and, I, you know, I say that, yet I have done it, like, you know, every year that I've been actively actively running and even a couple of years that I wasn't training, I <laughs> of the races that I decided to go down and just join in were actually randomly cross-country races even though I say every year that I don't like it. So I think I've got one of those love-hate relationships with it mm. that I'm not ready to walk away from. <laughs> and But anyway, it, it is good for you and I know that it is good training. And the, the thing is with my Gold Coast Marathon and the time that it actually falls, it's a bit of a pain with some of our like timing of the cross-country races in that I think I'm probably only going to get one or two out and, you know, maybe I'm a little bit disappointed in that. Maybe I shouldn't mm. have said that out loud. <laughs> and then some of the races are after the Gold Coast, but, you know, I, I take the time off. But I uh, will have a couple to get through, and I've certainly done enough cross-country training and racing over my years to to know a little bit about it, and then I'll live vicariously through you and uh, <laughs> be quite jealous of the competitions that you get to compete in down in both Ballarat, which has an incredibly strong cross-country yes. scene. Yeah, they do. And a little shout-out to listeners, actually, of looking for a really good book that covers specifically cross-country training. So if you're aware of one that exists, please get in touch and let me know. I'll do a bit of research during the week as well and try and find something. But I've got some good road racing books that I can refer to and obviously our old favourite Jack Daniels has got some cross-country programs in his book, but I'm getting a bit bored with um, referring to Jack Daniels. So <laughs> let's let's try and look a bit more... I'll read a bit more widely about cross-country training specifically. And, yeah, I've got a few ideas of some things that I'm going to add into my program to, um, A, toughen myself up a bit, but just get my body and mind ready for the some of the specific tests that you're going to be undertaking in, in cross-country running in particular. Mm. So. And also the, the road running part of it as well. Mm. I will actually – one of the different things that I will be doing this year that I didn't do last year – is I will be actually doing some road races in the lead up to the marathon. I just wasn't fit enough to be able to try and get in a performance and do the training last year. So I pretty much just had to train as opposed to race, but I'm pretty excited that I've got a Canberra marathon coming up. I'll be doing a 10K on the road and sort of another half marathon in in, in amongst the mix as well. So that we'll get to chat about that and the different training and ways to tackle those races. Absolutely. Well, I think we're getting close to a wrap. So what what are you doing this week coming, Lisa? What's on the menu? Yeah, well, I've got my down week. So I'm doing, you know, 50Ks as I mentioned mentioned and I'm going to hit the gym four times and then actually I, I do have a bit of a shout out on Sunday I am participating in the MS fun run I actually do it every year a very good friend of ours was diagnosed with MS at quite a young age and he was a phenomenal runner um, and so unfortunately was struck down by MS but he keeps very healthy and fit and it's in Australia there's actually events all over um, this one in Canberra Sydney Melbourne and Launceston and if you're overseas you can even just donate um, it's an excellent cause and they're still trying to find a cure for MS which does affect a lot of people so, does yes yeah very so good that's, cause to uh, get behind absolutely so we go down and do it as a bit of a family thing register all the all the family and get involved down there so that's my sort of main thing for the week what about you uh, very good well i have a a local club run that i think i'm going to do so eureka club is racing over i'm a little bit confused now it's either 3k or 3.2k so i'll probably go and do that that'll be a bit of fun actually since i've been trying to hang on to holding a pace for a 5k it'll be good to just go out and express myself a bit more over a shorter distance because <laughs> you can take a few more risks and really kind of let go if you know you're only going to be running for about 12 minutes as opposed to 20. So that'll be something that I'll be doing. And I haven't forgotten about my penalty for um, losing oh our goodness. challenge. I had actually meant to mention that at the start of the show. I'm so glad you brought it up because I had posted this on our socials actually and we had quite a good response. And I tell you what, there was an overwhelming response for Brian uh, to choose option A. And just to remind the listeners, there was to take up an adult ballet class to do a fun run in full fancy dress or to volunteer at a park run wearing something bright and 
uh, overwhelming response for option A, do an adult ballet class. <laughs> yeah, there's some, some of our listeners are sick puppies, I think, out there. <laughs> anyway, and, I, and I, I don't know if I'm, I'm not going to go for the adult, adult ballet class and it's not because I'm afraid of uh, or in any way worried about my masculinity because I, I have actually been on stage in a dress before. So I, I've been there and done that. So, But I think what I will do is go for the fancy dress option because oh, great. That's, that's something that I can do while I'm running. And I think given yeah. we're a running podcast, that might be a good thing to do. And I'm a bit of a madman fan, so I thought I might dress as Don Draper and do a fun run. Oh, I love it. Now we just need to determine which fun run because I need to be there with some footage and uh, <laughs> streaming that one live. But, exactly. Uh, oh, good, good. This, so, will be, this will be fun. I'm not sure if it's a punishment anymore. <laughs> no, no, it could be good. it'll be difficult because if I'm in a full suit and maybe be even carrying a briefcase, I'm not sure. And if I carry the briefcase, I can, that means I can have a scotch at the end. So <laughs> has to be a Canadian club, of course. Oh, gosh, very good. I love it. Well, we've locked it in. Brian's chosen option B to a fun run in full fancy dress. We'll be finding him on a fun run course somewhere as uh, yes. Don Draper. I love it. Indeed. I'll just have to work out where where and when that is going to happen. So I'll have a bit of a think about that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, if there's any listeners that have a fun run suggestion, uh, maybe send them through and we can throw some of them into the mix. Excellent. Well, I think that is a wrap of our season two and we'll be back again with you next week with season three where we're going to be talking all things cross-country and road racing training and racing. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin.